0: Leonard Williams, the big cat, is heading to the Pacific Northwest. First time in his career he won't be playing for one of the New York teams. Drafted by the Jets, landed with the Giants, now traded. Four years after being traded, the Giants traded to the Seahawks as the Seahawks, who woke up Monday morning saying, holy crap, we're in first place in the NFC West. They are loading up the cannon, Chris, trying to make that defense better, trying to hold off the 49ers, trying to maybe get the one seed we We're talking about the value of the lions having the one seed. Wow if everybody had to go to Seattle that's a that's a hell of an advantage for Pete Carroll and company. so I like to see that kind of aggressive personnel move for a team that realizes we're pretty good but we could be better and we're gonna go out and try to get better. Uh,
1: no I mean I, I think it speaks a lot you know I think it, I, I think it, you know a trade like that, that move I think basically Seattle's telling all, telling us all. We think we think we can win it all this year. That's what we're doing here. We're going for it. You know, one, hey, Leonard, Big Cat Williams, he's a phenomenal inside defensive tackle, right? Three-four defense, and he can kind of do everything on a on a defensive line. So he's special. He's versatile there, Mike. Uh you know they lost to Chena who who is their best pass rusher. That hurt them a little bit. All right, so he helps out in pressuring the quarterback, but I think the point you bring is the real thing. One hey, they got a talented secondary. We know that, right? I think they've been a little like wait, we're not stopping the run. You know, Or we have to put too many eggs into stopping the run, and it's hurt us in the past. Now they get a guy like this, they can play a little bit more coverage. And also, to your point of what you just said, and number one seed and all that, who do they got to beat, right? We just talked about the Lions O-line, if they're healthy. The Eagles O-line, we know that's special, right? Oh, the 49ers, that O-line, we know they can run the ball and do that. You want to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC? You better have a defensive line that can handle those guys right there. Because all those teams, too, have incredible weapons on the outside where if you go all in like we saw on Sunday on stopping the run and you leave A.J. Brown (laughs) one-on-one, good luck. Okay, good luck trying to win that football game. So I think that's where they're going, hey, we're here. We're talented. We said yesterday they got playmakers on both sides of the ball, and now this makes them a little bit more bigger and physical to match up with some of those elite teams in the NFL. Seahawks giving up a second-round pick next year,
0: a fifth-round pick in 2025. The Giants paying the most of the balance of Leonard Williams' salary this year. So it's a combination of yeah. giving up draft pick compensation for the player, but also also uh, the Giants basically buying picks with, with the willingness to pay some of the salary. But it's a great move for the Seahawks. They're 5-2. and two. They're in first place in the NFC West. And they're putting us all on notice that they intend to try to get even better and climb even oh, higher. Man. The Bills kind of acknowledging what they might be needing to do, although I thought they should try to trade for Derrick Henry. We have a Leonard Fournette sighting. He signs the practice squad. Damian Harris placed on injured reserve. Fournette was cut by the Buccaneers back in March at his request. He had yet to find a home. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when it wasn't that long ago that Fournette was the next great thing in college football. Yeah. His freshman year at LSU. Unstoppable like wow he can't get into the draft for two more years are you kidding yeah he was ready now he's just kind of floating around (laughs) he was the fourth overall pick in 2017 while Patrick Mahomes was still on the board not that that's an issue because the Jaguars at the time had Blake Bortles but now Fournette in Buffalo and I don't I look I don't know I don't know they call him playoff Lenny maybe the idea is get him 100% full football shape and ready to contribute when the postseason rolls around. If there's a postseason for the Bills,
1: yeah, I, I think <clears throat> it's a almost kind of an, an insurance policy type of signing. They don't have, you know, and, and you know they're down to wait. It's James Cook. Latavius Murray runs hard, but if it's Latavius Murray gets hurt, who's going to be our short yardage? You know you know, dump truck that can go through the hole there and run some people over or a third and one on the one-yard line and score a touchdown for us. I think that's what it's more about. I don't look at it as like, oh, man, this changes their team. You know, Mike, I, I think you've heard me say this. I think it's too hard for them now at this point to go, oh, yeah, we're going to run the ball now. We're going we're gonna to get more physical here halfway through the year and start running the ball. I don't think that's happened, happening. I think what we saw maybe last Thursday – would be the thing I would say, hey, that I can get behind. Can they develop plays for the other receivers and spread the wealth a little bit? And then the big plays to digs and everything else will come, right? We kind of talked about that. You know, and that's what they showed, throwing it to Shakir, Gabe Davis, making some plays where they're the number one reads. Let's get them the ball. You know, let's take some people off the digs. You know, we got some favorable matchups over here. Let's throw the ball quick and short to some of these guys. It'll open up some of the big plays in the pass game. I I think that's still the way to go there. I don't look at the Leonard Fournette thing to be, you know, earth shattering, I guess is what I'm saying. Glad he's back in football, but uh, I, I still think they need more firepower at receiver.
0: One other trade that happened
1: yesterday,
0: the Falcons lost Grady Jarrett for the year with the torn yeah. ACL. They picked up Cantavius Street from the Eagles, but it was one of those street plus a seventh round pick to the Falcons for a sixth round pick. So it really wasn't the kind of high level mover and shaker trade that we're keeping an eye on. And we are keeping our eyes open for trades that may happen between now and four o'clock East. And we're going to talk about the Vikings quarterback situation Kevin O'Connell made it clear yesterday. They're exploring all options, which would include, until 4 o'clock today, trades. Who who are you watching? You know, Derrick Henry has been the subject, Chris, of a lot of discussion. His contract wasn't reconfigured yesterday. That was the deadline for kind of moving things around to make it easier to trade him. He could still be traded with his current contract, so that doesn't end it, but – is there someone out there, a team that you're either watching or hoping, waiting to see whether or not they get involved, either as sellers or buyers?
1: Well, I, I, I get the the sense. I don't know what you think, but it, 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 it I don't expect this to be a big trade day. I don't. I feel like it's, you know, kind of quiet on all fronts here. Now, I'm sure there's some things that will go down. But I I don't know. I have the feeling this year that we're not going to see anything major. I mean, they went to, hey, I think all you got to do is Adam Schefter is one of the insiders of insiders. They went to him twice last week and last night. And right, he had no like, hey, I'm hearing this or hearing that. He kind of just stated the obvious because I think things are quiet for a lot of football teams right now. I don't really look at any of the top teams. To go, oh, they got to do something, anything there. You know, the 49ers, I've brought up, hey, maybe a DB, an extra cover corner, you know, instead of playing so much zone. That was one thing that jumped out to me. We've hit, you know, the Kansas City wide receiver thing, the Buffalo wide receiver thing there a little bit. I don't think the Titans are going to trade Derrick Henry. I don't expect that to happen. So I don't know if there's one or anything out there in rumorville NFL that I look at and go, ooh, I think this might happen. I I, I feel like it's going to be kind of a blah trade deadline day here. You're right about the
0: 49ers looking for help at defensive back. A couple of teams doing that. A lot of teams looking for pass rush help. The Jaguars, I was told over the weekend, were calling everyone in search of potential pass rush help. Now, this is just part of the due diligence that everyone should be doing. Every team should be calling every other team to see who's available, who they might want. Just you're putting – Fishing lines out in the water, all around the boat, because you never know where you're going to get a nibble. And you're not hurting yourself from a leverage standpoint in making that call because you're keeping it very general. It's like going into a store. I'm just browsing. What do you have? What's on your shelf? Just curious. I'm just curious. Might ask you for the price at some point, might just keep on walking. The Falcons, I was told over the weekend, had offered a third-round pick for Montez Montez Sweat, the Commanders' pass rusher who who may be traded. And I haven't listened to this, but I guess Chase Young's dad called 106.7 the fan in Washington yesterday and had some interesting things to say. But Young is a guy that could be traded as well. Teams have called about Jonathan Allen with the Commanders after he had a rant last week following... Their, their loss uh, that day. I can't remember who beat them, but whoever it was, it was enough to get him to go off.
1: The Giants. So, uh,
0: yeah, so that's – yeah, I guess that would – given the way the Giants are playing this year, I can understand it. Um, Derrick Henry still is a name to watch, I think. I just think it comes down to whether or not somebody is willing to make an all-in move. Yeah. By now you know what a team like the Ravens would be willing to do. But that's the thing about deadlines you don't move to your absolute best position until the clock is in the process of sounding out 12 chimes. We're, we're Here we go. we got to do it. Now, now. Okay, so what are you going to do? And then you have to make your decision. Or maybe you're holding back the decision you made. You're just going through the motions, and you know you're going to move to a higher position as you get to that point where you have to do it. And I was just thinking, remember when – who was the quarterback that – it was A.J. McCarron. The Browns were trying to trade for A.J. McCarron on deadline day, and there was some screw-up. The Bengals sent in the information to the league, but the Browns didn't. I think so. I think and you might that be meant right. the trade didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. And it was this question of whether Sashi Brown, who was running the, the front office at the time, Hugh Jackson, was it deliberate, was it sabotage, whatever. So remember, for a trade to be effective today by 4 o'clock Eastern, both teams have to communicate it to the league independently. If only one does it, no trade is done. So we'll see. And you got to figure out how much time do we really need? You know, if you cut it right until 3.59 p.m. Eastern, something may go haywire. So I'd like to think if these deals are going to happen, 2 o'clock, 3 at the latest is when we'll know if a deal is going to go through, Chris. Yeah,
1: I, I think you're right. I think the names you said are the names that are, you know, the ones to look for. I would think one of those Washington DNs, Gets moved, you know. It, it it's going to be hard to to pay four guys on the on that D line, all really damn good, to pay them all big time market value. I I, I would think that that there's some serious talks there, whether it's Chase Young or Montez Sweat, whatever way the Commanders want to go in that one. Same thing with Daniel Hunter. You know, I know the Vikings are still in it, but, you know, you're not still in it. Uh, it's a tough decision. The more I thought about yesterday and after the Kirk Cousins things, I'd go, I, I think I'd, I'd fire sale it. I would, you know, if there, if we're willing to get a pretty good offer for Daniil Hunter or something like that, I'd kind of move on and start playing for next year. You're not going to find a quarterback that's going to come in and save the day. It's not going to happen. It's just not. I just, you know, your defense is not good enough. They don't run the ball well enough. It's too much on the quarterback there in Minnesota, and now they don't have him. So I I think you kind of hit on the big names there. I don't know if there's anybody else that really jumps out to me. It's an odd year because some of the bad teams – also, their pieces, I think they're going, wait, they're young. We want to keep them. We're kind of building something. We're not looking to trade some of these guys. So I think that makes it, you know, a little bit different that in, in that way too. And then in the AFC, like just about everybody is still alive for the most part. So teams like Tennessee are probably hemming and hawing a little bit like, hey, we might still have a chance. And they're probably trying to kind of figure out which way they want to play this thing.
0: I got one to add. Yeah. Josh Uche the pass rusher with New England. Mm. Last year of his contract, those are the guys to watch in New England. Last year of the contract, because the question becomes, do we trade and get value now? Do we let them walk as free agents and maybe get some compensatory draft pick consideration? And if they plan on spending a lot of money in free agency in 24, it won't matter anyway. You won't get any compensatory draft picks. Uche's a name to watch. He's a a special We know they don't like to pay a ton of money to pass rushers. They historically don't. Now's the time to move him. And they are the team that is 16th of 16 in the AFC. They are 2-6, and six looking up at everyone, including the Raiders. So if they're ever going to sell, now is the time to sell, especially guys that aren't going to be there next year. You mentioned the Vikings. Oh, ye of little faith, no longer wanting to blow the horn. Wanting to do the fire sale and move to Neil Hunter and anyone else, we're going to do a draft next of the Vikings' best options as they move forward for the rest of the season without Kirk Cousins. More PFT live right after this.
2: We did uh, learn that Kirk suffered an Achilles tendon tear um, yesterday at uh, up at Lambeau Field. Um, we're you know in the process of determining uh, kind of the next steps and timeline. Kevin, what are your plans short-term, at least for this week at quarterback? Yeah, we're still working through that, Kevin. Um, you know, I uh, I did want to see Jaron go in the game and, and, and function. A lot of the feedback that I got from the guys in the huddle was he was outstanding, calling plays. Kevin, as you're looking for options, how far and wide do you look? Is this guys
1: that you know that have played in a similar system, guys that played in the league? Do you think about talking guys out of retirement? How far do you cast the net?
2: Yeah, I, you, know, you, you know, you wouldn't believe kind of some of the things on my cell phone I've received here in the last 24 hours, you know, less than 24 hours, uh, but uh, those di- that dialogue, it's, it's what's going to be best for um, our ability to win football games, but also knowing um, we've been living in a world where we want to be as competitive as possible right now while also understanding what we're building, hopefully for the future at the same time. Tough spot for the
0: Vikings. Kevin O'Connell making it clear yesterday in his session with reporters that they're looking at everything long term, short term. How do you properly balance this out? And, you know, one thing they need to consider, Chris, it's kind of like what the Jets went through with Aaron Rodgers. If you would go out and make some big, bold move like trade for Kyler Murray, which isn't going to happen, but that ties your hands. You've got no chance of Kirk Cousins next year. It slams the door. The Cousins injury actually makes it easier for the Vikings to keep Cousins next year if they choose to do so. Because there's going to be less demand elsewhere for a guy coming off of a torn Achilles tendon at age 36. And maybe he'll view it as some sort of a sign that he should finish his career in Minnesota. And it's part of this broader story where he comes back heroically from the torn Achilles and finally gets that trophy he wants to put in the closet in the house in Michigan. So... I think if the Vikings are looking for solutions, the best solutions, the only real solutions are this year only Yes, because you're going to be in a position to keep cousins
1: next year if you want to. Right. And I mean, by all due accounts and the way he's playing and the way Kevin O'Connell is talking about him, I feel like they want to, I feel like they had turned the corner of like, we're not can't give this guy away just for anything here. We don't know what we're getting back or who we're willing to draft or anything like that. So you know, I hear you there. And that's where I kind of said last seg- segment, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't leverage the farm or do something like that to get some quarterback right now. I wouldn't. There's too many holes on your roster still there in Minnesota, right? That I'd go, I, d- I don't want to not be able to fill them in in the offseason. So I, I would, th- and again, your t- you know, again, I know it's your team. Your Vikings aren't winning the Super Bowl this year either. So let's not do something drastic or, you know, without thought here just to, to you know, ease the, the, the present situation. Uh, keep the big picture in mind. And that's kind of where I get back into, like, I, if I were them with him getting hurt, I, I'd be a seller and be going, it's over. It ain't going to work. Somebody blow us away for Daniel Hunter or somebody else, and we'll we'll trade some of these guys. You want one of our secondary guys that's maybe older, somebody like that, whatever. Uh, but I would I would turn into a seller if I were them.
0: All right, so we're going to do this as a draft. We're going to yeah. go through their best options, and this is a great way to frame the conversation. I'll give you the first pick. Who should the
1: Vikings turn to at quarterback with Cousins out for the rest of the year? Okay, well, I'm going to cheat on the first one here a little bit. Uh, And and you can piggyback off of the other one here, but I would call the Houston Texans first and go one of the guys you got as a backup Davis mills or case Keenum, like Texans backup quarterback. They got three right there right now, you know, and, and those two that I mentioned, Keenum and Davis mills, you know, have extensive playing time. It's not like, it's like, Hey, we liked them in the draft and we haven't really seen them play in the NFL. They've played, you know, and, and really kind of have a mental makeup of where you think, wait, they could be like a Kirk Cousins, not to that extent, but certainly would think they could have their style of offense still in play there. So those are the first ones I'll throw out. I don't mean to cheat on that. If you want to take one of those, you feel free. No, I don't want but, to take one Okay, of them. all right, no, fine. No. Screw you then. They're mine. I, yeah. No,
0: go ahead. You can have them both. I, I mean, Case Keenum has some nostalgic value given what he did in 2017 and I thought frankly they should have paid him the 18 million a year or 12 or whatever it was that he got from the Broncos instead of going all in with Kirk Cousins anyway I warmed up to the Cousins idea because I thought it was going to take him next level and as we've seen it has yet to do so I Ideally you'll want somebody that Kevin O'Connell has worked with in the past, right. but the cupboard is kind of bare in that regard, and it's getting even more bare. John Wolford is a guy that O'Connell has experience with. Rams came sniffing around for him yesterday. The Bucs moving him from the practice squad to the roster today, according to Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. So that's one guy that's worked with O'Connell. But I I got I've always had a good feeling about Kevin O'Connell as a communicator, as a coach. As a guy who just gets it. You either get it or you don't. It's a very basic pass-fail litmus test. He gets it. And I think that he'd be able to find a way to work with somebody he's never worked with before. And I think he kind of relishes this challenge. They are in a no-lose situation now. The season's over. Let's bring somebody in and let's just give it a – let's see what the hell happens. So I am warming to the idea. Of picking up the phone, pressing in the New Orleans area code, and asking
1: for Jameis Winston. Okay, okay. I hear you. I'm, warm, I'm warming I didn't to think that you were go very there. quickly. I did not think you were going to go I'm, there. That would have been my my next pick. I feel like Kevin O'Connell
0: might just be the one to get Winston to do the stuff he does well. And to not do the stuff he doesn't do well. Because Winston's big flaw has always been he thinks he can do more than he can. Sure. And he tries to do something he can't. And it ends up being a video that you'll watch on a loop a hundred times. Because it's like, what the hell was that? I think O'Connell. Just, you know, I think he can get Jameis. They could work together well. And it may be it may be their best shot. Two, be competitive and not mortgage
1: the future. I, I, I and hear that. keep the door open for Kirk Cousins next year. I, I hear that. I, I do. I, I, listen, I think if of all some of the ones that are available out there, Jameis Winston clearly has the most talent in this conversation to where, like you're saying, if you can get him right and get him up to speed with the offense, I think he can maximize the potential there just as about as much as anybody we're going to bring to the conversation here. And, hey, we know they got Taysom Hill in New Orleans, and they drafted the kid that I'm blanking on his name from Fresno. Jake Hayner, Yeah, thank Jake you. Hayner. Way to go. Way to go, Slugger. Yeah, Jake Hayner. That would be the other. So they got guys there. You know how comfortable they are with that? I don't know. I don't know. But I like your thought there with Jameis Winston. I didn't think you were going to go there. Um, I might have picked him first if I thought you were going to. So that, that's a good one. Uh, Too bad. Yeah. Too Up, bad. Yep. Up yours, okay? The The next one. I'm going to go to right now as far as, like, you know, I'm going to throw Josh Dobbs out there. What, uh, you know, they moved him. Josh Dobbs, it's done. He's played some football here this year. They're going to Clayton Toon and Kyler Murray. Okay, you got two guys there. Sign somebody else to the practice squad. Put Josh Dobbs out there. He's played football. He's actually very accustomed to this, this situation. He did it last year for the Tennessee Titans. See what he can do. You know, Josh Dobbs has definitely proved that, yes, he's not a you know a starting quarterback, but he's a very good backup quarterback, nonetheless. That's for sure. That'd be another guy that I would throw out there that, hey, has played. He's ready to go right now. Uh, yeah, he's got to learn the offense. We know that, but you know it, it's still, I think, one of the better options out there, at least in my opinion. I am going to throw you a curveball on this one. Are you ready?
0: I'm ready? Trey Lance is on our list of potential options, and that's a guy that the Vikings have been connected to in the past. There was some reporting done, and I think we might have been part of it. I don't know. It's been too long ago that the Vikings and the 49ers were talking about a trade that would have brought Lance to Minnesota, and Cousins would have been sent to San Francisco. That there GMs was from the 49ers, those lines.
1: right? Yeah.
0: Cowboys swooped in. Cowboys swooped in and got Trey Lance when he finally became available. The Vikings didn't look at him carefully. How about this? How about you say to the Cowboys – Okay, fine. You got Trey Lance. Trey is Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Final answer. Yeah. Cooper Rush beat the Vikings. Cooper Rush playing in place of Dak Prescott on a Sunday night beat the Vikings. Unless that's just some nightmare that that uh didn't actually happen. Oh no, no, it happened. I'm pretty damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper Rush beat the Vikings. Cooper Rush has done well. You're just looking for somebody that you can go out there and run your system? Maybe Cooper Rush can do it, Chris. I'm kind of intrigued by the possibility of Cooper Rush. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to let him
1: go, but I'm I'm kind of intrigued by it. I I like I did with the Texans, I did the same thing with the Cowboys and wrote both of those names down like, "Hey, one of the two, whatever. Cowboys backups. Who 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 will you give us there?" Right? But yeah, Cooper Rush He's played. He's done some good things. I mean, what did they do last year? Were they five and two under Cooper Rush as a starter? Right? It was something like that. I mean, I watched them beat the New York Giants on a Monday night. Who were a playoff team last year? So he's, you know, played. Knows how to manage a football game. Do all that. You know, I get you there. I get you there. I I do. Um, you know, the the last one for me. You know, we know Colt McCoy's out there. I I I hear that. You know, it Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, the problem with Washington is Howell gets hit a lot, and are they gonna feel good with Jake Fromm as their backup? I don't know. That's why I don't know if they would really trade Jacoby Brissett at this point. I'm gonna just I'll throw Ryan Tannehill out there. I'll throw Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I'm I'll I'll put him if they, if they decide they want to go maybe a little more all in than we expect. You know, Ryan Tannehill I do think could be the closest thing they could find to Kirk cousins. And again, he's got to learn the offense. I know that, but I think Ryan Tannehill's better than people realize still. Uh, and, and he could, you know, maybe open up some eyes on that offense.
0: All right. Last one for me. And I saved it until the end because I knew you weren't going to say it, but this is, Oh my hope. gosh, this is
1: my, please dream. don't end the this segment my fantasy. Oh my gosh. Everybody, gosh, don't say it, please.
0: Oh, Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to take your Aaron Rodgers song. Don't you do that. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I'm, I poked around a little bit yesterday. Apparently, he's, number one, too damn skinny right now to come play football. And number two, he's kind of too sucked away into whatever it is that he's doing now that it's not going to happen. I can't help but wonder, though. <sighs> whether he just thought about how could you not think about it because he still can play. He still can play. Sure. He knows he can still play. He said that when he retired, he still loves it and he knows he can do it. This is his test. If he's ever going to come back, it's going to be now. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm holding out hope that it will. I've got a candle in the window for Tom Brady. Let's see. Let's go. Let's (laughs) effing go. go. Tom Brady. He oh, spent gosh. summers in Minnesota. Your mom's from Minnesota. Go, go get Super Bowl ring number eight. Although
1: that's probably not going to happen. That's part of the pitch to get him there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, well. Yeah. I don't think it's. I. I think he's too much of a perfectionist and somebody that wouldn't do it at this point because he knows he's not quite like he knows he could play, but he'd be like, wait, I, I need like six, seven weeks to kind of get in shape, get going a little bit again. That's where I just don't think it is. And and as I told you, I think yesterday, I think he's, you know, enjoying life from everything it looks like and what I see and what I hear. So good for him. I'm glad he is. Don't go back to the Vikings. The hell with Florio. Enjoy your retirement, Tom Brady. With all that said, with all that said, my gut
0: tells me, they're just going to roll the dice with Jaron Hall and see what they can coach him. Well, where are we at with
1: Nick team. Mullins right now, Mr. Vikings fanatic? Where, where, how far are we away from maybe him being, you know, ready to play again? That's the one thing that I feel like I haven't heard or hasn't been made clear to me, right? And 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 yes, to your point. If if he's around the corner, then I would just be like, hey, we'll ride with Jaron Hall one more week and then Nick Mullins can be the starter after that. And therefore, we don't have to leverage the farm like we talked about. Make some big move here.
0: Mullins is on injury reserve. Yeah. He went on at about the same time Justin Jefferson did. One more game before the window okay. opens on a potential return. Right. So uh, back injury. I don't know that he's able to come back as soon as the four weeks is up, but he has to miss the Falcons game Sunday. He'd be eligible to return for the Saints game the following week. And I I wonder if the proximity of that Saints game is a reason for the Saints to not be inclined to trade Jameis Winston. Again, the information doesn't help much. But, and maybe they'd say this is a good thing because we know Jameis Winston. Yeah, we, we, yeah we, we'd like to go play against Jameis Winston. We know everything he does. That, that gives us an edge in that game. But regardless, those are the next two games. Falcons, Saints, they've got the Bears coming up again. They've got the Packers. Their, their big games left are two in Detroit against Detroit, one there obviously and one in Minnesota, and the game at Cincinnati. The rest of the games of the final nine are all objectively winnable if you have a quarterback that can move your offense. We'll see what they do. If they're going to trade for somebody, again, 4 o'clock Eastern today is the deadline. When we return, will the Falcons and the Cardinals be making quarterback changes this week? We already talked about the Cardinals a little bit. We'll talk about the Falcons as well when PFT Live continues right
1: after this. He does his healthy. Does he start this week? I got to see where he's at. So, that's that's... That's all the best I can give you. I got to see where he's at. I can see if that's the best thing for this team this week. Um, obviously, it's not something I'm concerned long term. He's done a lot of good things, but we got to find a way to go win this game. So whether you know, it's Taylor, that's what we'll do. But uh, my concern is Dez. And obviously, long term, uh, you know, got back out there. I don't think He's ready. And sometimes it has nothing to do with just, just medically. It's everything else that goes with it. But like I promise you, Wednesday, I'll come in here, I'll tell you who's starting, and I'll tell you what the plan is with Dez. My concern is Des and the effect it has, on, you know, not just short-term, but long-term. You Wait, it's what Jeff's asking me. I understand why you're asking at. that. So I, I, I totally get it. We got to do what's best for the player first, Desmond, and then obviously for this team, whatever we have on this game.
0: It's tough to figure out what Arthur Smith, the coach of the Falcons, is really concerned about here. Desmond Ritter left the game on Sunday. He had a concussion evaluation. He was cleared to return, but Smith thought something was off. He wasn't benched. It wasn't performance reasons that the move to Taylor Heineke was made. And now it almost kind of feels like a soft benching where you point to the lingering effects of a concussion he didn't have as the reason to keep him protected and keep him safe as you think about his short-term and long-term best interests. It just sounds like a way, Chris, to give him a break without the stigma of benching him so you don't gut him publicly and destroy his confidence. He really wasn't benched. We're just concerned about his health. So we're going to give Taylor Heineke a game and maybe more than one game. Maybe our concerns about Desmond Ritter's health will linger if Taylor Heineke comes in and gets the hot hand and wins three, four, five in a row. It just feels like that's the way the wind's blowing based upon Smith trying to tiptoe his way through a minefield that could undermine the psychological Development of Desmond Ritter as an NFL
1: quarterback. I, I, I hear you that. I hear you there. I, I appreciate that aspect. I appreciate their patience, you know, that he and Dave Ragon have had with Desmond Ritter and and trying to, you know, let him play, let him grow here and all that. But I I think they're infringing on. Wait, you're 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 gonna sacrifice the team all for one guy, and and the one guy's not that special. It's not like we go, ooh, it's Mahomes or Allen. We see he's gonna be great here. It's not that. That to me is where, you know, it's getting a little weird there. Where I, I mean, Desmond Ritter. He could still be your starter. Listen, if he can't handle getting benched this week, then he's not your starter. And then you move on with life and you know. If he crumbles mentally because he gets benched here, then he's not your starter and you can move on with life. He'll exactly. prove it to you. So, exactly. you know, the other thing too, Mike, you know, like I'm with you in the soft benching. One, he fumbled. Two, Mike, maybe you can look at this. I think I'm right here. You know, the the Titans got five sacks in the football game. I think they were all on Desmond Ritter. I don't think they got one with Heineke. Heineke. Right, So there's things about his game where he doesn't know where to get rid of the ball sometimes. He makes throws like we just showed in the last clip where you're like, what's he really looking at? He threw a post with a single safety there, like sitting there. There's plays where, as you've heard me say before, as a quarterback, ex-quarterback, a guy who's been around football his whole life where you go, whoa, like – there's, there's dicey decisions, and and then there's what the F are you looking at decisions, and there's been too many of those right now, and they have a chance here, like we talked about, they've got a chance to win the NFC South, and they got a schedule that sets up right here where you go, they're better than most of the teams they're going to be playing over the next six or seven weeks. You know, they need to win the majority of those games. They can't just go, oh, well, we made it through kind of 500 and we still got Desmond Ritter as a starting quarterback. If I were them, I would make the move right now. You mentioned
0: the Cardinals situation in the last segment when we talked about the possibility of Josh Dobbs being traded to Minnesota. He was traded to Arizona from Cleveland just before the season began and ended up playing playing fairly well. But after the team said, Sunday, the Dobbs would get another game as Kyler Murray continues to work his way back to the lineup, and he's apparently healthy and ready to go. I don't know what they're waiting for. Yeah. Yesterday, Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Cardinals, said it's going to be Kyler Murray or Clayton Toon. There are multiple reports out there now that it will be Toon this weekend. Not Kyler Murray, not Josh Dobbs. I wonder whether it is a precursor to Dobbs being traded. I don't know. I don't understand why you just don't put Murray back out there. Chris, this goes back to that broader business consideration the Cardinals have. And number one, the organization is already kind of dysfunctional, so it's not going to operate like another team might when you're in a situation like this. They got a lot to figure out about Kyler Murray. Is he the guy we want, the new regime? Do we want him to be our guy? Do we have to showcase him to a certain extent to maximize trade value Later, does he need to come back and show he's still Kyler Murray so we could maybe get first-round pick plus for him after the season? Do we want to keep him in bubble wrap so we don't potentially owe him millions more in guaranteed money that's currently guaranteed for injury? There's a lot there. There is. And if he's healthy and you're going to start Clayton Toon instead of him, that just tells you they're thinking this through very
1: very carefully and maybe
0: overthinking
1: it. Yeah, I'm I'm I mean you're right. It's it's a very, you know, intricate, delicate, got a lot of, you know, different pathways this whole thing could go. Uh, uh Clayton Tune is, is a guy that played a ton of college football. He was very good in the preseason, right? So, you know, he he can he can do some positive things. Uh if they start him this week, I'm going to take it more as just like they want to give Kyler Murray one more week of practice and getting right and whatever else so he can put him put his best self out there for all the reasons you stated, whether they want to showcase him or they want to see him, you know, hey, we're not putting a, a B-minus version of him out here and now we're not getting the, the proper read on the guy. So that's where I'm going to be interested. But, yes, I would think that once Kyler Murray goes, wait, I feel pretty good and I feel pretty good in the offense – you know, they can't keep him on the bench much longer than that, or they're going to have another issue on their hands here. So, uh, and, and that's the other avenue. You start to do wrong by Kyler Murray, he's going to start going, I don't want to be here anymore, and that's going to let, lessen the trade value. So they got a very delicate situation, and I would think we see Kyler Murray in the next two weeks for sure nonetheless.
0: Meanwhile, they're 1-7. They're at the Browns this week, then the Falcons, at the Texans, Rams at the Steelers, and then they get their bye. Oh, boy, and they got the 49ers and the Seahawks still lingering, and the Eagles. And the at the Eagles. So uh, the the tank is working if that's what they were trying to do. It seems like they're fighting and scratching and clawing every week, but they're 1-7, and, and that's what Kyler Murray may be walking into. 1-8 looks like it's coming for the Cardinals. All right, let's take a break. When we return... There were some folks who thought maybe Brock Purdy hit his head on the ground on Sunday and maybe should have been checked out. If you listen carefully to Coach Kyle Shanahan, he may be one of those people. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Paul, so how did uh, Brock Purdy come out health-wise? And was, there a, was there a scare and um, the way his head hit the turf like a
1: minute and a half to go in the game? Uh, I mean, it was a scare when you see the tape or, or when I saw the tape, but... Talking to him after the game and talking to him today, it's it's been totally fun. I don't get the TV copy in the game, so I don't see how they hit from where I'm at. So we don't see that at all. Um, But I'm always assuming that there's people spotting that stuff and spot checkers and that everyone's going to do that when they see it. So that's not something that I'm looking for during the game. I'm usually watching defense, and I am looking at my call sheet getting ready for the next down.
2: Was he checked for a concussion afterwards?
1: I didn't ask the fact that nothing is wrong, Why um, so I didn't ask.
0: It's Kyle Shanahan talking to reporters on Monday, and one other thing he was asked was if he had seen the moment where Brock Purdy's head hit the turf, would he have taken him out of the game? Now, Kyle was very candid. He wasn't willing to be quite that candid and say, yes, I would have. He said, that's a hypothetical I don't want any injured players to still be in the game. But when you listen to everything else he said, oozing through the words, Chris, is the idea of, yeah, I mean, I saw saw what happened. I assume people are doing their jobs. I assume the people who were there to press the button for a concussion evaluation are pressing the button. We talked about that yesterday. I think too many people have a button because in those moments – everyone's waiting for someone else to be the one to press the button and they know oh no if this guy has a concussion and he's back in the protocol 6 days after he was in the protocol in the first place there's going to be a lot of criticism let's just let's just see how let's just monitor his symptoms let's just see how he looks let's not give him an evaluation based simply on the fact that we saw him hit his head but it sounds like Kyle once he saw that was a little concerned
1: yeah i think so i mean hey listen anytime uh, you know, anytime you see a guy grab his head like that after he hits his head on the ground, uh, that's that's concerning. Kyle's a human. He loves his players. I mean, he'll stick up for them to, you know, to the cows come home. He will. You know, but at the same time, he's right. He's He's – he can't be there and be the doctor. He's, he's the head coach of the football team, and he's got enough going on, and he's trying to, yeah, watch a defense. What are they doing to us? Wait, i got to get to the next play. i got to have an idea of how we're going to manage this situation two, three plays ahead from now. That's a hard thing, right? He's not a doctor, too. Uh, so, uh, But but we'll see. Right now, as it stands, there's nothing wrong there. But, but I understand everybody's concerned with that hit. And you would think really of six days after a concussion and a guy grabs his head like that with that type of hit that the spotter hit and that company body. would do something you know i I would think that would have happened. I was a little shocked it didn't, and look,
0: Chris, we talked about this yesterday as well. It's human nature, Brock Purdy maybe isn't fine and is managing to disguise it because he you knows hey I got two weeks. Got to buy week. I'll be fine on the other end of it. I don't want to deal with all that concussion protocol bull crap again and taking tests and baseline this and baseline that. I'm fine. I'll be fine. This is what I signed up for. I can deal with it. I got some time coming up where I can get away from football a little bit and I'll be ready to go when we play the Jaguars and I don't want to give the opening at all for Sam Darnold to come in and play, especially when you look at how Purdy has been performing. Right. Shannon was asked yesterday if he's thinking about a quarterback change and he said no and they said why and he said because you don't just make a change for no reason. At some point, Purdy's performance gives him a reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think we're there yet. I mean, it's hilarious, actually. It's hilarious. I mean, literally 14 days ago, people were telling me he was Tom Brady. Now we're now we're asking, why are you considering to bench him? I know I said he was Tom Brady 12 days ago, but why aren't you benching him now? I, come on. Like, calm the F down a little bit. Yeah, it hasn't been great. He made a ton of unbelievable plays in that football game yesterday or, or Sunday. There was other issues there. Shanahan's not going to give up on what he's seen in totality from Brock Purdy since he took over. Just because now we had the end of the game interceptions in Minnesota, and you know he had some you know two bad moments last week. I, you know he's not going to throw that all away. Just be- all the good stuff he's done, just because of that. I, we're not there yet. So they'll go to the bye week. They're going to get healthy as a football team. Debo Samuel will be back soon. They'll figure out some of the defense. The one thing we've seen is that yes. You know, Brock Purdy's good. Brock Purdy's not a superstar that's going to carry the team when the other factions of the strengths of the team aren't quite working the right way. Hopefully we can get to that, but I don't think we're at let's bench Brock Purdy conversation yet. All right, let's take a break. When we return, plenty of people
0: complaining about the officials. Kayvon Thibodeau, one of them, will show you what he had to say and react when PFT Live continues right after this. Key moment, late in regulation on Sunday. Kayvon Thibodeau judged offside here. It killed the clock and gave the Jets a better chance to get in position for the game-time field goal. He says he wasn't offside. Chris, what do you make of that? Well,
1: you know, he's offside. I I don't know what – even there with this video, first off, it's not right down the line, so it gives it a favorable angle here. The ball's not snapped there. He's still across – that line of scrimmage there with the ball being there, he's clearly in the neutral zone right there, in my opinion. You know, again, it's not worth it. It's not worth it in that moment. That's the coaching point. It's a shame because Kayvon Thibodeau played his best game as a New York Giant on Sunday. It was the best game he's ever played as a Giant. And and in that moment right there, you just can't take that chance. It's the reason the Jets were able to kick the game-tying field goal. They're not going to be able to do what they did Getting that completion, no timeouts, and be able to then throw that other pass we saw after that and have enough time to sp- spike it and do that. So that was a huge moment in the football game. But I don't know. To me, that still looks like he was in the neutral zone there.
0: You make a great point, though. Risk, reward. It's not worth risk, it. Risk, reward. Right. What's the risk? Right. What's the reward? And the reward, very well, uh, very, very, what the hell? Very well may have been Thibodeau trying to go pad his stats and get another sack. That's the reward that he was going for along the way, jeopardized the ability of the team to win the game. Because, yeah, in a situation like that, don't even give them a basis to think you might be offside because no. the game is in hand. Right. You've won the game. Right. All you got to do is get through these last 24 seconds, and you've won the game. Uh, the Steelers did not win the game on Sunday, and Deontay Johnson probably will be making a charitable contribution to an organization of the NFL's choice in the near future based upon what he had to say to the officials who worked the Jaguars-Steelers game. Here's just a little bit of what Johnson had to say in the locker room after the Steelers lost.
2: I don't care what nobody said. They cost us the game. Like, yeah, I got to make plays. Them two plays, them catches whatever, but that don't define me. You know what I'm saying? The whole thing.
1: One more, guys. How about them missing the call on Kenny where he hurt his ribs look like he's going
2: to there, nah, they wanted them to win. Bro. They was calling. Everything was in their favor. Like, they were getting every little call. Like, but it is what it is. Yeah, he said more
0: than that. He said they must have gotten paid pretty good. Uh, he talked about how that officiating crew was at training camp and he didn't like them then and doesn't like them now. There was the controversial offside on a field goal where the Steelers were lined up in a way that the officials deemed was offside. There was a pool report from referee Alan Eck defending it. Social media thinks it's kooky talk, as you might say. But when Johnson crosses that line of saying... They must have gotten paid good today. That's when, Chris, I believe he sets himself up for a hefty fine from the NFL.
1: No doubt. I mean, he, he's criticizing the officials. He's, you know, insinuating other things were at play there. I, I would think that that warrants a fine, definitely. It's a tough call here. I understand yeah. in this moment. I get it. You know, but at the same time, this has been, and I'm shocked to hear the Steelers making excuses. Usually nobody on the Steelers do that. And I know Mike Tomlin's mad as hell here, but this has been a talking point in football because of the tush push when they showed the shot down the line, you know, and one of the replays here, know, uh, I know it's not a regular call thing, but it looked like, yes, that there was Steelers in the neutral zone. It's just something I think that's not called all that often, but right now is kind of at the forefront of the referees' minds because of the tush push and some of the complaining by defensive coaches that the offensive players are in the neutral zone. You're giving them an advantage, and they're looking for it extra close right now. I, I didn't think it was the wrong call. It's just one that's not called very often.
0: I haven't confirmed this, but someone texted me over the weekend that there were three of these. Calls like that, offside on a field goal where the line up by the offensive team was in the neutral zone, and yeah, Tomlin beside himself. What is wrong with you all today? With an expletive or two in there is what he was saying to the official. But it's one thing to criticize the officials' competence; it's another thing to criticize and question their integrity. That was always the dividing line. Like for non-players, if you criticize them in any way, you get smacked by the league with a fine. For players. The way it was explained to me is we'll give them some leeway to criticize, but if they question their integrity, that's when they get penalized. And in this age of legalized gambling where everyone's looking for the next Tim Donahue, thou shalt not suggest that the officials are getting paid to skew a game a certain well, way. Let's and we, we got to state here that they
1: both had the same amount of penalties and the Jaguars had more penalty yards than the Steelers in the football game. I mean, there's a, there's a kind of a clear fact that says, hey, you're not exactly well, right there. Just like to state that. Hang on, hang yeah. on,
0: right. But there is a difference between first quarter penalties and fourth quarter penalties. I hear you. People there. say that from time to time, right? Oh well, they didn't call it on him in the first. Right? There are key moment penalties. Yeah. I hear you. We'll be done. We're they're throwing a flag on us. More PFT live right after this. The Bears may be selling cornerback Jalen Johnson's contract. He's in the final year of his rookie deal. He hasn't been happy. He's wanted a long term contract and. Word broke overnight he's got permission to seek a trade. Well, his agent better get to work because you only got until 4 o'clock Eastern. You know, if you're going to let the guy shop himself, why are you doing it as the last day of the trade deadline arrives? You got a lot of you got a lot of needles that need to be threaded to make this thing work, Chris. I I think it's unfair
1: that the Bears waited as long as they did. Yeah, not going to be easy, certainly, right? But, I mean, he's a good player. He's the kind of player that there's going to be a market. They're going to get calls today because some of these contenders are going to go, whoa, he can improve our secondary. That is it. We'll break down all the
0: moves that happen or don't tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday. See ya.